You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, From the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menunos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Murder in the First After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show, it's AfterBuzz TV's Murder in the First After Show. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Murder in the First After Show right here on AfterBuzzTV.com. Thank you so much for joining us today on this, the first pilot episode, as we play a little Tracy Chapman in the background, a San Francisco artist for a San Francisco television show. I'm Bobby, joined on the panel by Marina, JB, and Monsi. Hello, guys. What's up? Hello. And Marina and Monsi are totally new. So, JB, what are we going to do to them today? Ooh, I have a lot of pranks. We've got a lot of practical jokes. A lot of setups. A lot of Dead oh, space. We just for this. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, speaking of that though, because they're new, if you're new to AfterBuzz, if you're right here for Murder on the First, and this maybe is the first show you've ever seen on AfterBuzz, if you're listening on YouTube, please hit, or watching on YouTube, please hit subscribe, and if you're listening on iTunes, you can do the same thing, hit subscribe, rate us after you like the show, hopefully you like our after show, I think we're going to do a good job. Oh yeah. And before we get feeling. going... I do have a good feeling, too. Before we get going, though, remember, our boss, our fearless leader, Maria Menounos, has a new book out, The Every Girl's Guide to Diet and Fitness. I've been talking about this book a lot the last couple weeks. It is thick. This isn't like a celebrity. (laughs) You know like celebrities will do fitness books, and it's like 20 pages, and Mm -hmm. it's whatever? This is not like that. There's actual information in here. No, it's a book. And uh, ladies, the After Buzz bikini uh, pool party is coming up in a month. Uh oh! Mm, I better start. I, I don't know if you've been in I need to. We need to get to the treadmill. So uh, I'm going to take this copy for myself because uh, there's a lot of girls at that party, and I got to look good. But if you're going to a pool party too, I'm just saying. I mean, I loved her first book, so I'm very excited to read this one. Yeah, the first one did real well. She's been plugging this one a lot. I know she was in New York last week with this one. She's back in California now, I believe. This thing is out. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold, you can pick up a copy, and Lord knows we got a lot here to go around. Definitely. All right, yeah. guys. Let's get into murder in the first. So we meet today Terry English and Hildy Mulligan. Yes. Yes. Quite an Irish name, by the way. Right. Incredibly Irish. But whatever, that's neither here nor there. Let's <laughs> let's start with the murder, though, because these two are detectives, and we know a little bit about their personal lives. We're going to learn right. more about it as the show goes on. But we start with a murder, and that's the murder of Kevin Nyers, who, by all intents and purposes, looks like just a junkie. And it maybe looks like just another murder. We learn later on that's not the case, though. The first thing that intrigued me about this murder in, what did you say, JB, the Tenderloin District? Exactly. Yeah. So the first thing that intrigues me about this murder, before the questioning, before the sort of detective work that gets done, and we'll talk about Terry and his wife later, but Terry seeing that image of his wife's dead face in the murderer's dead face. And we know what we're in for with a show like this, that it's not just a law and order about the case. There's going to be a lot of personal stuff to uncover here. At that point, right there, first question for you guys, good or bad, are you more hooked that you know that there's a personal draw in this for Terry English? Or do you just want to see the murder? You just want to see the detective work? Honestly, I like it. I like that they're layers. You're so used to seeing the same type of setup. You know, I love detective shows, I love murder shows, but there's something about the fact that there are layers that we have to basically peel off. And you can only peel off so much in an hour, so you have to wait. So I'm interested. Uh, I don't, I'm not saying necessarily it was as good as I would have hoped, but I'm hoping for the best. It was the pilot. Let's see what they're going to come up with. Definitely. I mean, this is just the first episode. There's a lot more to come. There's a lot of setup. It's a new series. So we were just sort of getting our feet wet in this whole environment. I mean, I'm from San Francisco originally, so there's a lot of nostalgia there that I appreciated. Uh, the Tenderloin is obviously uh, more of a rundown area, so that's very fitting for, for crime and, and things to take place in. Are you, a, are you a social media whiz like everybody else in San Francisco? Do you have, like, a startup <laughs> plug-in or anything? I do Clark? not. I do not have a personal jet. You're, you're not worth, you're not worth <laughs> yet, a few billion? Yet. Whatever. I mean, oh, it's kind of like we're working up. we got a startup. That's happening. a question I have about, well, well, we'll do that when we get to Blunt or whatever. But, okay, this is going to be interesting how they portray San Francisco. Because a lot of these murder shows, a lot of these crime shows are L.A. and New York and Chicago are the big three. Obviously, as they should be, probably, because they're right. the big three. But this is a new one in San Francisco, and it'll be interesting to see because... 
these startups, these apps, these companies that are, you know, these Facebook-like companies that they can't go that far and say it, but it's something like that. This is a very sexy idea in television in a lot of ways now, and a show like this is going to incorporate that startup technology idea with a crime show, and it's interesting to see the dichotomy there. But this murder... Kevin Nyers is the man killed. Looks like a junkie or an addict or whatever it is. We know that there's some kind of drug in his fridge. Mm -hmm. We know that he's not living in the best area whatsoever. But we learn quickly that he sends an email before he dies. And the email is to none other than the equivalent of, like, you know, real-life Mark Zuckerberg. (laughs) (laughs) Which is absurd. But, uh, I mean, okay. But the one thing that struck me about this when they're questioning on the murder with Blunt is Blunt puts his email address out in public for everybody to see. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And gets 3,000. I get 20 emails a day, and I'm overwhelmed. He gets 3,000. So these detectives had their work cut out for them with that email. Uh, How much do you think, because Terry is printing off emails, Mm -hmm. putting them on paper, struggles and didn't know who Blunt was, how much do you think that's going to hurt Terry in solving this murder, not being a technological guy? I think a lot, considering they're dealing with Eric Blunt, who is apparently a huge person in Silicon Valley and he owns everything and that's what he does. He like he said on the show, he doesn't even have an office. His office and he is in his hands whenever he needs to. So I think Terry's gonna need to step up his game. Um but at the same time there's Mulligan and she seems to know what she's doing. So they might balance each other out. I will say, to play devil's advocate, though, one place where Terry knows what he's doing is when he questions the two little kids. Oh. We know that the witness pulled out the kids for stealing copper wire, and he goes and questions, what was it, D-Hop and Franklin, and D-Hop pees his pants because he's so scared because right. he's going to die yeah. in San Quentin and all that sort of stuff. So Terry knows a little bit about what he's doing, maybe old school bad guy cop where Mulligan plays good guy cop. Right, mm-hmm. especially with kids. But I agree Different. with Marina. I feel like the whole technology thing is going to affect him because Eric Blunt was described as a tech genius in the show. And if he can't keep up with that, how possibly can you outsmart him? Right. Plus, it, he was remarkably accessible for me. I yeah. mean, for yeah. such a like, theoretical, like, high-up person like Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, I don't expect I can just walk into an office in San Francisco and, like, find him. I and know. he doesn't even have an office. He's got just right. a desk exactly. or whatever. You know, right. I think Zuckerberg's got a, probably a nice office. <laughs> yeah. I do. Yes. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I do find it very it. strange that he has his email on his website. Right. And if you did, I feel like you... Three thousand isn't that much for that. If he's like oh, a absolutely huge not. Guy, Imagine yeah. how much Zark Mark would get if he right. had his email up there on Facebook. Contact right. me. Yeah, All the time, millions. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. exactly. Break down his server or something. Uh, but we see Terry and and a lot of the things that Terry's going to do have to do with his wife. And so we don't want to talk too much about his wife right now. We'll cover her in a minute. But we do see that of the two detectives trying to get a relationship read on Terry on Mulligan in English. Mulligan is maybe the more, I don't know what word I would use, optimistic or idealistic because she's a single mom. She's got sort of different things that Terry's going on. And Terry looks at a very different worldview with what's going on with his wife, but also with what's going on in the case and is a little more fatalistic, negative, dark. Right. Uh, And so they really do play good cop, bad cop off of each other. So it's interesting to see, and it will be interesting to see, the relationship that those two have, not necessarily with each other, but with subjects they interrogate. Like we saw at the end of the show with... The guy with the duck tattoo. Right. Uh, but it's I, I'm interested to see what happens with the two of them in terms of how they work together to solve a case and who plays good cop and bad cop. Because right. it looks like Terry's a bad cop, but I know he's also a guy with a big heart. Right. It looks yeah. like they could switch oh, at, any, at any moment. I agree. Depending on, depending on the situation. I actually got the feeling that Terry's a very good and sweet guy. But he's just having this flip out because of what's going on in his life with with his wife. And it's a very difficult time and he doesn't know what to do. And he doesn't want to be home watching her die. But at work, he's struggling a lot. Right. He can't get it out of his mind. Absolutely. I mean, it's great to see Tay Diggs in sort of that, like, Mm -hmm. role where he has to struggle with his emotions. I mean, (laughs) when he was in the interrogation room with uh, Charles Baker, who who, um, played the guy with the tattoos, he also played uh, Skinny Pete in Breaking Bad. Um, it was great to see him just give him the death stare the entire time and then just snap at the end and sort of slam his head into the table. Obviously, he's feeling overwhelmed with the emotions. It's right. sort of um, a great insight into his character, but also we don't know what the real um, Terry is like. I mean, he's so sort of overwhelmed by everything that's going on. It's, it's a very different side of his character than we may see in the rest of the season. And it's a weird dichotomy with Terry. He's got enough honor to defend Mulligan when 
he says that thing to Mulligan, let me smell you, or whatever that creepy thing was. <laughs> right. So he's got enough honor to defend her, even though what he did was totally wrong. However, he doesn't have enough honor when he's interrogating those kids. He scares those kids to death and leaves them hanging because they still think they might be in trouble and they're going to die in sin. Right. Not that that's totally dishonorable, and to us it's funny. To those kids, though, that's horrifying. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it might have to do with the fact that Mulligan is a woman, and whatever he's dealing when it comes to his wife, he's very sensitive and... I don't know. He is a sensitive guy. I will give him that. Right. My my question for you guys, not to get too far into predictions with this, but the Kevin Nyers murder, first take, first look, who killed him? I I mean, obviously, my gut instinct says Eric Blunt. It's sort of masterminding. I, exactly. I don't think he, he pulled the trigger. Absolutely. But I think he organized the killings. Um just everything about his character is very reminiscent of Draco Malfoy <laughs> yeah. uh, type. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. He's, he's a puppet master. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and we see that with the second killing, too, because now we have two killings connected to him. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not just the Nyers murder. It's Cindy's murder, too. And we know Cindy is connected to him yes. because he can't help himself sexually with her and she was working for him. Uh, right. And we see at the very end, before we talk about... Uh, Terry English and, and what goes on with him on the phone, which is a different story. But we see before that that was glossed over is Mulligan leafing through the pictures and finding all the pictures of Cindy and Eric Blunt mm-hmm. together, knowing the connection there. So I've got to believe that those two detective-wise, the hammer has to come down on Blunt. He knows more than just, oh, I've never seen the guy, I get a lot of emails. Like We know that's a lie, mm-hmm. but that's incredibly... That's False. huge. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's too, that's too much of a coincidence mm-hmm. for two people connected to him to die in a space of 24 hours or whatever it is, 12 hours. Especially when he pretty much told Cindy that he was going to get her back or take revenge or however. He even said to someone else in the episode, I, I don't his remember. His lawyer. His lawyer, that he was going to kill her in front of his lawyer. Correct. That's right. On the and, plane. And he said uh, in the deposition with the opposing legal counsel mm-hmm. and that other guy coding, exactly. he said, I'm going to take you to court and I'm going to kill you. Exactly. He didn't say right. I'm going to beat you. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to kill, kill you, which is a weird thing to say. You don't kill somebody in court. In front of two lawyers. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You don't kill them. You just beat them and they don't get any money from you. Mm-hmm. But to him, it's life and death. Oh. And that's a good worldview into his window of this sort of stuff. And maybe that's why he's successful in Silicon Valley, because it is life and death. And he lived as opposed to dying as a startup the problem is he can't turn it off when it comes to relationships and things like that yeah it was an interesting choice of words and i think that how like emotionally intense he reacted Mm -hmm. sort of showed how far he was willing to go i mean that's why it makes it so convincing that you know he might be the murderer i mean it's sort of an easy guess because he's obviously the villain of the episode but i mean i feel like there was so much going, pushing that plot point forward. I mean, he got so mad at, at his friend Jeremy, and he got so defensive about getting exposed and that whole fraud thing. I mean, what what is he hiding beyond, I guess, the killings? Like, what would There's drive more. him that far? And he talks integrity quite a bit. Right. Mm-hmm. Blunt talks integrity a lot. He told he told Terry and Mulligan when they were interrogating him at one point, said, I'm going down to L.A. for a business meeting. What does he want? My integrity. Right. Well, kind of. But okay. if you see it like that, it's a weird dichotomy to talk integrity and talk honor, and I would never steal anything. But then you have this dark side of you where your shirt gets a little bit of red mm-hmm. wine on it, and all of a sudden your shirt is worth more than a human's life. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, wait a minute, man. You, 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 may not be as, you may not have as much integrity as you think you do. Right. I mean, I, I think it's clear that he's a, a nutcase, and we're going <laughs> to figure that out throughout <laughs> the ten episodes. Well, he had, it seems, we don't know it yet, that he had a rough up, upbringing, Definitely, right? Definitely, yeah. He's right. an he, orphan, um, so, you know, there's a lot of problems. He mentioned both of his parents were very... Um, one was a drug dealer, yeah. and the other one was... A whore, yeah. Let's be honest. Call it call what it is. Put the cards on the table. I like it. (laughs) But see, that's and let's talk about that one. The whore, the whore's parents, because Terry and Mulligan end up going to Oakland, going to a very rundown area to meet with those grandparents, and that's when they learn the connection to Eric Blunt about Mm -hmm. being the grandson or whatever. My question, and this is a plot point I don't understand, and I would like it developed because they were so casual about it. Is Blunt was so casual about talking about. You know, I just, I had somebody do some investigation. And I reached out to contact my dad because I wanted to see what it was like. Mm-hmm. What? To what mm-hmm. end? Either A, you know that you're so rich and sought after, you know what, I shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Or, or let me find out who he is, but when I realize he's kind of an addict, I shouldn't get involved. Or B, 
you want to get really involved and totally change his life. But it's not a casual... I mean, I'm not adopted, so I can't speak, obviously, for that, and I don't pretend to. But I have to believe that if you're adopted or given up or whatever, something like that, it's not just a casual, eh, let me see what's out there. Unless you are so selfish and narcissistic, it's only about you. But even then, I still wonder. I agree. I feel like, like you said, he wanted to have a little taste see if you would like the person, if you'd like to know the person. And when he saw his dad and saw that he was an addict, he was like, you know, I don't care. Give him some money and he's done. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to get a little bit more backstory. He said he was adopted, so it wasn't quite that he grew up alone. Mm -hmm. I wonder how much the people that did raise him, how they sort of played a role in his life. I mean, it's, it's obviously sort of sad, and it seems like he may have had a part in killing his, his parents if it did go a very southward direction. I mean, he obviously had animosity building up throughout his life, you know, not having his real birth parents around. So, you know, there is sort of a revenge thing that mm -hmm. could build up in someone. I mean, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I... Well, I'm not a psychiatrist, but you play one. <laughs> yeah, I play one on TV, exactly. <laughs> but that's, and I think that's another thing, more even than his parents, but a general kind of uh, trait that they want to pull with Eric Blunt is this idea of... Silicon Valley millionaires and billionaires and these tech folks, not all of them, but a lot of them, and we hear about them and read about them a lot, they've never been told no. Mm -hmm. And so when they never get told no, they've come with a certain attitude and a certain sense of entitlement and a certain sense of cockiness, all things that Eric Blunt has in spades. And he is an amalgamation of all of them, so he's maybe a little worse than a real one would be. But it's that same idea that when you don't get told no, when you have a lot of money and a lot of influence or whatever and no one wants to tell you no, you can do whatever you want, which is a double-edged sword. Right. Right. You can do great things, and then when something, <clears throat> excuse me, when something goes wrong, no one's going to tell you no and stop you, and something bad's going to happen. Whether it's a murder or not, we will find out. Right. right. But something bad is going to happen because we know he's embroiled in 2,000 different lawsuits, it seems right. like. Yeah. I think, exactly. you know, money and power can be a great and horrible thing at the same time. Oh, yeah. And I think that's what he's dealing with. And, of course, he's not doing a very good job. And um, he's going on the being a bad person and using all the power that he has to get away with it. There's something he's trying to do. There's something we don't know. He wants something, but we just don't know what it is. Wants something you mean from his... From his father. Because you said if he's so narcissistic, maybe he really is like, oh, whatever. He is super narcissistic, so he could be that. But why? I feel like he would... Like you said, he has everything he could possibly want. He's never been told no. The last thing he wants is to meet somebody who was a drug addict who gave birth to him, but obviously never cared to look for him. So it's more like there's something he knows... That maybe he's trying to get to. No, to me, it felt a little bit like revenge because, you know, the grandparents say that he killed the mom. Right. Right. And gave her all the pills, even though it was the case was never resolved. And they just said it was overdose. overdose. So it could be him getting revenge on his dad for killing his mom. And I could see that. I just, there, there might be something we just don't know yet, you know. Interesting. Or he brings his dad into his life very briefly for an evil end. Yes. Mm -hmm. To the point where not not even the murder, but just the idea that I'm going to bring him in, show him that I've become something. I'll give you a little money to tease you and shut up and whatever, and then I'm done with you mm -hmm. because you were done with me. Right. And yeah. maybe that's an even more evil idea. Right. And then his dad emails him and wants what was it, fifty grand? I think it was fifty yeah. k in the email, which is nothing, nothing. To for him. Yeah. 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 Right. He's going to be worth whatever billion dollars in a minute. So that was one thing that I was like, why don't you just keep paying the guy? Or And, and Eric Blunt even says it. It's like, what's money to me? I don't care if he blackmails me and finds out I'm a son. Who cares? Yeah. So I really question his motive about that, and I wonder about that. But he's so narcissistic, Lord knows. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, I think it's so dangerous that when people like this, especially in Silicon Valley, get so much wealth so fast and so young in their life. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at someone like Justin Bieber, obviously, that's an extreme example. But having access to that much money and power really changes who you are. I mean, no one says no to you. You can yeah. literally do anything in the world. And when those boundaries are lifted, you it changes your personality. I mean, there's no... Which sounds, no wrong. Sounds almost. really awesome to have nobody say no to you, but I think after like a week, you'd actually kind of hate it. Right. It would stink because you would never know who to trust. Everybody's right. just of there course. sucking on the teeth. It's yeah. like, well, who do you do you really have my best interest at heart or do you just like being on the payroll? Right. Exactly. And that's, with, go ahead. Sorry, going with what JV just said about uh how things, you know, there's they never been told no, all that good stuff, but I I feel that maybe he wasn't a murderer at first. 
Like maybe the first. So are murder? you assuming no. he is the murderer? Hold on, this okay. is what I, okay. okay. <laughs> this is what I, the, the first murder of um, Kevin Nyers. Maybe he was the puppet master, right? Mm-hmm. But Cindy's murder. I think he I think he pulled the trigger. And I think it's kind of like a slope for him. Like, he started off little, doing little crimes. He was never been told no as a child. Like, exactly like Justin Bieber, never been told no. And then it got worse, and it, it progresses. You can, you can see the progression of how angry he gets in the episode. Yeah. So it's like, I don't think maybe he was responsible in pulling the trigger for the first murder. Mm-hmm. But I think he's responsible for the other murder. Well, and let's look at how the murders were committed. Pulling a trigger in the first murder, because I know we all watch a lot of Law & Order. <laughs> When you when what you shoot when you when you shoot somebody with a gun, it's different from choking somebody. Choking somebody, for example, is much more personal. Mm-hmm. Shooting is not as personal. Pushing somebody down the stairs, though, isn't as personal. And I wonder if Eric Blunt committed that murder of Cindy. Just throwing this mm-hmm. out there. Remember the scene on the plane where he's sitting in the back. She starts kissing him. She goes. He goes right for her neck, right. and not like in one of those like sexy ways. He was mm-hmm. like choking her out a little bit. It made me a little. That was a little rapey and weird. Yeah. Right. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So, creepy for sure. Yeah, totally creepy. Yeah. And she was like not into it. I think yeah, she was she's a little like, weirded well, out. Well, 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 so I mean, I, like that's not the go- <laughs> fellas. That is not the go-to yeah. move. Don't ever <laughs> choke anybody. Pump the brakes a little bit. Let's slow down. Marissa's just shaking her head. She's like, Don't ever do that. No. I agree. I think he's the kind of person who would get pleasure out of killing people. Definitely. He, right. he seems very like sadistic. Exactly. Yeah. And the fact that Cindy was naked. Exactly. I don't know. I, it doesn't seem like she was in the shower. It seemed like maybe the, he came over and right. we're doing something and he pushed her. I don't know. What were they doing? Maybe having sex. <laughs> I don't know. Doing it's the, okay. You're doing the, the, doing the 30. <laughs> We're just trying to get you out of here. We're trying to break you in. Yeah, in I'm still not exactly sure what I'm allowed and what I'm not here. You've been okay so far. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing too crazy. We'll let the commenters decide. I think exactly. I think they'll be on your side. You'll be okay. Uh, but a little bit more about Eric Blunt. He's. I, I agree with you that he's sadistic and he takes pleasure mm-hmm. in pain and he's never been told no. He's also got a very hot temper, obviously. Right. And when you combine those three things with everything else is going on, it's tragedy waiting to happen oh. whether he committed these murders or not. The interesting thing about him, too, and this underscores that point about Silicon Valley billionaire youngsters who don't get told no, is he has all this help around him and yet he doesn't trust the help. So the, the lawyers and the uh, consultants and stuff on the plane in one of those first scenes are telling him what to do. And he's like, you didn't build anything. I built this, which I understand. But you didn't build it alone. Right. You may have written the code or maybe you stole the code. You may have written the code, but other people are helping you with other facets of this business. Listen to these lawyers. Mm-hmm. Listen to these consultants. But he's not going to do that. Yeah which has obviously already gotten him in hot water, and I assume will only continue to get him in hot water. I look forward to the scene where he comes down to the precinct for questioning, and uh, Terry English beats the crap out of him. Right? Right? I totally going to happen. Oh, it has Definitely, to. yeah. <laughs> has to. I feel like that would be a very one-sided fight. <laughs> it's <to> beat down. <laughs> All right, let's uh, transition a little. Unless there's anything about Blunt I'm missing. Anything broad. He's the most interesting guy. Oh, yeah, definitely. Far, yeah. I mean, if he ends up being the killer, I, w- I mean, how the season I would ideally like to go is just a systematic buildup of how to take him down. I mean, mm-hmm. he's such an evil character. I mean, that's been revealed so far. I feel like if that's going to continue, I really want to have like an epic climax. It's going to feel good. Yeah. If he's the like, killer. Just like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I will tease my prediction. I'm going to tell you guys who the killer is without a doubt today. When we without, do a doubt. <laughs> without a doubt. Without a doubt. And it's not Eric Blunt. I can't wait 10 weeks oh. from now so we can sit here and be like, I'm, remember yeah, be what like, you said 10 weeks ago? Listen, if you see me doing predictions on some of my other shows, I am so <laughs> wrong it's not even funny. So I'm sure it's going to be wrong. But I'll, I'll make the prediction. Before we get there though, let's talk about Terry again and his wife specifically because this was more the touching side of this episode. And the thing that struck me is Terry seems like a controller, and we don't see it a ton in his detective work, but we see it in the hospital. When he's talking to the doctor about clinical trials and tests, and the doctor's like, dude, it's she's dying. Mm-hmm. Take her home. Let her have some say in her death. You can't do anything anymore. And his wife has a very dignified way of dying, and he can't handle it at all, which is so weird to me because he's a detective who sees a guy's brains blown out. Yeah. And then he turns around and can't, not that it's, not that I'm making light of his wife dying, but he, he handles it so poorly after seeing what he sees every single day at work. Because it's his wife. Yeah. Right. Sure, but well, still, it's, you'd think you would know a little bit of, of it's, but not I accepting think... it, but like, but I mean, not being okay with it or accepting it, but at least being able to live through it and support her. He's not supporting her very well. He's just not. 
Well, I think because of his job and everything that he sees on a daily basis, he's he's become motionless. Like he has no emotions when he he sees that people, right? These murders. So for him to see somebody who's close to him dying, I think he doesn't know how to act, you know, because, because he's always so cold when he's doing a case and he see everything. And now. Right. That, I mean, that's a really good point. Right, I think yeah. he's very desensitized, desensitized <laughs> to a lot of like graphic mm-hmm. murders and, and things. Mm-hmm. This is a little different because it's a uh, prolonged suffering. I mean, it's not just one crime scene where someone's dead and it's sort of a soulless body. This is, his, like, one true love that is slowly, like, deteriorating, that he watches. And it's not like, you know, something happened that he sort of figures out how that happened. It's he's watching this yeah. live, like, go down day after day. Like, it's something he can't escape. it's completely out of his hands. Yeah. Like, right. It's nobody's fault, you right. know? Like, she has cancer, and it, it, he can't do anything about it. There is no person he can blame. He can't, you know, try to find out what happened or right. is just done. But the thing that's crazy about this to me is she is so okay with it. Mm-hmm. She makes jokes about it. She's very resigned to the fact. She doesn't seem depressed or scared mm-hmm. of it or whatever. She's accepted it, which would make sense probably in her mm-hmm. position. I think a lot of people would find themselves that way. But if the love of your life is so okay with dying and moving on and ready to accept it, I feel like you would have to try to be a little bit. And she makes jokes to him about dying. And he literally says to her, she's like, don't joke. I can't joke about that right now. Which to me is just like, I understand. But wouldn't you kind of at least laugh to be polite because you want to be with her? Yeah. It feels like she is trying to support him more than he's supporting her. Great point. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. But I I think it's such a a hard argument. Like, I kind of feel for him. I understand. I don't think that he is cold. I don't think he's emotionless. I completely disagree. I just think he separates work from his real life, you know? And this is real life. So I agree with you that he doesn't know how to deal with it. But I don't think it's that he's cold. I think he's a very emotional person. You see that when he's with her and he looks into her eyes and, you know, I, I've i never really been, like, a huge fan of Tay Diggs. I mean, I think he's great looking. Would watch him any day. <laughs> any day. But... I really liked his performance in this pilot. I felt it was different for him, and I believed him. And I felt like he was too emotional. That That's the thing. He's so attached to his wife. He cannot. He refuses to accept that she has to go, that she has to leave him. Okay, if he's so attached, let me ask you guys a question. I'm going to open it up, and it's maybe the most controversial Absolutely. question of the episode. Should he have it. gone back to work? No. Really? Whoa, I am going to disagree <laughs> with you. I think yes. I mean, yes. like she said... The hardest thing for him to do is sort of face her and the reality that they're both in. Right. So, I mean, to kind of put away everything else in your life and just watch that, I think would not do them any service. I mean, there's basically nothing that either of them can do. So, and, and it's something that they talked about. Like, he goes crazy if he doesn't have something to keep his mind and on. I mean, with her, I'm, I'm going to say because I'm with him, <laughs> since I know totally. you don't agree with us, but I am like, I, I'm with him. I'm totally like, if he stayed, nothing good was going to come from it. We just said he's not supporting her. Why would he stay and make it awkward and continue that whole difficultness? Like, here, they both know what's going to happen. Why not just let her be at peace? Because clearly being together, they don't agree as to how to handle the situation. Well, I got okay. bad news for Team Yes. Uh, team No wins. I don't know. I just made that decision. Yeah, I, right I was like, why? Please, oh, no. the jury is still out. I just think. I just think Marissa is going to be the jury. She'll tell us. I just she's think. Gonna, she's pretty th- nice. She's going to go with us. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. I think that. Uh, I just think that if you, the point you made was if he's already not supporting her, it makes sense to go. To if, work if it's going to be so contentious or not contentious, but going to be so missing. Yes, exactly that they're mm-hmm. not. They're not. They're, they're not, not on the same page. They're not on the right. same, exactly. Yeah. It's not that he's not supporting, but they're not on the same page. Not they're supporting not her, dealing it, dealing with it the same way. Not supporting her in the way she would want. Exactly. To be yes. yes. But my. But that to me proves our point in mm-hmm. the sense that if he is not supporting her in the way she wants to be supported, a good husband would learn how to support her in that way and do it at least begrudgingly Mm -hmm. because that's what's going to make her happy and make her death easier for her. I mean, she is the love of his life. You know, the person who he thought he was going to spend the rest of his life with. And now, because she's dying, he can't handle being with her for her last few days. I'm sorry, but I I think it's ridiculous. 
Right, but that's not on him. That's because they both need to realize that there's nothing he can do. Yeah, but he's also doing a very poor job at work. So he's not he's not doing good being at work. Right. I guarantee you if his wife said stay home, he would have. She told him to go. Yeah, that's one of those things where women are like, you know, no, do this thing, yeah, but it's actually I, the I agree, other thing. I agree. At this point, this <laughs> woman is not thinking like that. At this point, this woman is not thinking a game. Listen, Listen if that I'm, is a game girl's play. If I'm dying, yeah, well, at that point, well that is second. not a game she's Wait playing. Wait a second. Every girl is always playing no. games. Let's okay. be honest about not, that. Are you kidding? I see when you're both dying, sides of that. No way. At that point, that is not the game she's playing, but that is a game girls play. And I'm totally with that. But if she, because of the situation she's in, there's no way... That she was doing that. I'm going to tell him to go to work and he right. better stay. Yeah, no, I think she like, she has no ulterior motives. I think the only... Like, I mean, Tate Diggs, or Terry, his character, had a very big breakthrough at the end. I mean, when he sort of came back to her and was like, I'm scared. Mm-hmm. It was the first time we like actually saw mm-hmm. the real Terry, like aside from the anger and how he was dealing with the situation. Um, so it's you know interesting to see that maybe there is a way that he can focus at work and then come back and sort of accept everything that's going on. I think the wife was trying not to be selfish. Okay? I don't think she doesn't want him there. I think she does. If you're dying and you know you're going to die, don't you want to be with the people you love the most? Do you think she she wants to stay at home every single day, her last few days, with a nurse she just met? I don't think so. I think she's coming from a place of not being selfish and trying to do what's best for Terry. But I don't think it's what she wants. I'm going to let her make my argument. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel I just, like yeah. I feel like if she had him stay, it would just make both of them miserable. I mean, she knows that he needs work to be Distracted. who he is. And I mean, regardless of the whole like cancer health dying situation. I don't think he should stay at home sitting next to her and just stare at her the whole day. You know, he can do... So, s- well, you're saying that he should be with her because it's the love of his life. So what is he going to do? Right. Go he- be upstairs and watch TV? No, no, I think they can watch like Maury together. Come yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, the, the best part of the show, in my opinion, was both of them reminiscing his 30th birthday, I think, yeah. you know, and the roller coasters and, and, and stuff like that. Right. when she fell in love with him. And it's something that would be beautiful for them to do before she dies. You know, they, they could talk about their life together and the things they've accomplished. Right. I mean, I, they still I feel do like that they, they, they do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah but he did it we for like two seconds. <laughs> well, listen, the point may be moot because <laughs> yeah. after he beat the crap out of that guy in the interrogation room, that True. head detective may send him home, okay. although it may be too late. Yeah. So that brings myself me to my last question before we get to news and gossip and stuff. And that is Terry gets a phone call at the end of the episode, mm-hmm. puts the phone down, struggles to sit down on the chair, becomes emotional. What was the phone call? I'm just going to throw it out there and say maybe his wife passed. That's, I, I think, what we all assumed, yeah. right? I, For him to, definitely. you know, do the yeah. holding the chair, sit down. Right. And that's what makes it unconscionable to me, to get back to our little two-on-two argument, to not be at home. <laughs> Sorry. See, she's scary. She's got guns. <laughs> to not be at home with the wife because the day she passes and mm-hmm. you are not there. Yeah. Assuming that's what the phone call was, we don't technically know. Yeah. But assuming that's what it was and you're not at home for that, completely unacceptable. Completely unacceptable. How long have they been in this situation? At the beginning, they mentioned it. They're like, finally, just take her home and let her rest. How long has he been waiting? It doesn't like, matter. It's but the this moment. Is, it's very, you, you can't predict that. Oh, you I know that. You cannot possibly predict but that. That means like, that's okay, don't, don't go, to, don't go right, shower, I mean, don't go eat, because you got to stay right by me, because it could happen at any moment. You can't predict that. But 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 it takes more than two seconds yeah. to die. But my point yeah. is, like, if your day is deteriorating and he's gone for 12 hours on a case, unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Completely unacceptable. That's a party foul. To put it very lightly. <laughs> I don't, I don't agree. I, I feel like if, you know, I mean, she's in a place where she's in hospice, she's in a hospital bed. You know, if she passed away in the middle of the night and he was asleep in the other room, like 12 feet away, like, that's not any worse than him being at the office. Oh, I think it's totally worse. He's yeah. there. He's just 12 feet away. But I think it's so much why? worse. I mean, the reality is she is dying. Like, For that, sure. There's nothing so they can what? do. Well, yeah. So, I mean, they should, every moment between them should be positive it should be something that they both enjoy and i feel like if terry is being forced or not if he's staying home when you know his mind is racing and there's nothing for him to do he's just literally watching his wife die yeah which is that's not i I totally agree with that but but it's not about him it's about her 
It's right, her right, death. Right, but he, wasn't so, he going to stay? And then he, she told him, go to work. And I still think no. I still think she's. And this yeah. is me just saying, know. you know, the way know. the way the show was shot and edited. I think if she truly was hurt or anything, we would have seen B roll of her looking sad as he walked away. Like I don't think Good that point. there. We would have seen that they would have shown she is hurt. She's sad that he left. We didn't see any of that. She had the same the same emotion, the same character, the same patient, calm, like just trying to you know end her life peacefully. The same character the entire time. I agree with that. But the problem is we've never established, because this is the first episode, we haven't established that she has reached some sort of higher metaphysical consciousness. Not weird meditation enlightenment, mm-hmm. but the idea of when she's near death, and when people have talked and written about this, being near death, having this calm and having this sort of uh, lucidity with their life and stuff, that may be true of her. And I think you're right, because that is how they shot her. But we don't know that in her story. So when you look at the universal truth that we would hope to see in any good television show, the universal action when your wife or husband is dying is you're gonna be there. Mm-hmm. That's the universal idea. Unless there's a different trait about her that we don't know. But if we don't know it it's bad writing to me to have her die and he's working some stupid case. It's well, like, well, wait a minute. Well, uh, there's a controversy. No That's what's the gonna... The total controversy. Right, but, but I just, I think that there's just, we don't know exactly how long he has been not working sitting by her side. What if for all we know, it's been the last six months he hasn't worked and he's just been sitting but, at the hospital. But then they should have established it. They should yeah. have told us. Well, no, I feel like how she acts is very accepting of her reality. She yeah. knows that she's going to pass away in a few days. And so she wants to see her husband do what he loves and move on. I feel like it gives her better satisfaction seeing that, you know, he's going to continue and, like, he's going to enjoy the last few years of his life. I mean, her life has sort of come to a close and she's accepted that. And wants to sort of, like, I, I think it would hurt her to see uh, Terry stay and be uncomfortable and sort of ruin the last few moments of, of her life. I mean, she may just want to Peace. go peacefully and sort of um, more like a drift into salinity. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. I just wonder if you're Terry, if you're the husband. Yeah, I think about this with with a if if you know I'm very happily single let's say that <laughs> but I think about that with with a significant other or whatever and I don't know about you guys relationship mm-hmm. status or whatever but think about a significant other or even like a brother or a sister or something you want to do whatever you can do for them even though there's nothing in stage 4 pancreatic cancer mm-hmm. you still want to go out of your way to make them happy because you love them and you want to support them and you at least want to show your support being there and I just worry that I mean we're driving this point home yeah. back and forth like crazy <laughs> yeah. but I worry that by not being there the message you're sending is I don't support yeah. you which is the wrong message that's not the, me- the message oh, that he is. could possibly be sending is this is too difficult for me to deal with yeah, but it's which not is about completely him. acceptable to any person I feel that if I like this honest I lost my dog that I had for 13 years, and I didn't want to be there. Like, my dog. Can you imagine? Like, my we must I'm be the team, opposite. We must be I'm the opposite. I would want to be there. Because I would be there I for a there, whole but year. It was the hardest thing I I've ever to. done. I was there. Oh, I was there. But it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I can only imagine watching somebody who's young, who should not be dying, who's suffering, how hard it is for you to sit there and watch and not be able to do anything. And I think that we are not giving... You're 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 assuming that if you were in his position, you would be there, right? But I can't. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I would be there or not. I have no idea how I would feel in that situation. I think it is so. It's such a gray area, and we just have to, I guess, wait for the show to unfold. Because I know if he was in with me, anybody that I love, I would. I don't care how miserable I would be. I would be sitting there. A week, a month, a year. If I had, so to. you'd be miserable watching them. Be, I would like, because you, because I know I know that they would be gone after that, and I know I will have wished to have spent the most time I can with them before they leave because I'll never see them again. And I think you're looking at misery from the wrong state. It's mm-hmm. not, and I don't know if you, I don't know if miserable is even the best word. It's not yeah, that I'd be miserable not, sitting with them. No, 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 be, no, 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 absolutely not. I'd be happy upset. and honored and and upset about the situation, yeah. but very happy to spend every moment and cherish every moment with them. Exactly. And so when I see. Terry English walk away from his wife to go to work. That may be what she wants. I'll take her at her word and she's not playing games on her deathbed. That's cool. <laughs> but even so, if I'm him, if this is the love of your life and you're reminiscing about these roller coasters and you had such a great life together, wouldn't you want to drag out every minute that you could? And not to not to make too much of every moment and make it almost a chore, but you just want to hang out. Even if you are just watching TV, you just want to hang out with each other. The best mm-hmm. moments you have with people, relationships or otherwise, are sometimes when you're doing the stupidest stuff. 
when you're watching TV and when you're, you know, shooting the whatever, right. you know. Right. That's those are some of the best moments. And for me, if she's dying, I'm sitting here like, oh, you know, I just want to be around her and be in her presence. And we know what's going to happen. There's no secrets. It's not good. She's going to die tomorrow. But I still want to be with her and be around her and support her. Let her know that I support her and just be with somebody I really genuinely enjoy being with because. Come sunrise, that may not be a reality anymore. Can I make a silly comment? Sure. Go for it. This no, whole, you can't. There's nothing This silly whole conversation on. reminds me of a walk to remember. Oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> Just pulled that out of the bag. Well, come on. It's the same thing, right? She's dying, but he stays with her to the day that she dies. He, he doesn't care, and he makes the most out of it. And you he, know why that is? Because Shane West is a real man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like we're going about like support in the wrong way. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, with... I'm just speaking personally with my girlfriend, you know, there's, it's just communication and it's sort of understanding each other's needs. It's not always, you know, being together and doing everything together. I mean, I go to my work, she goes to hers. Like there's certain needs that we need to do, um, you know, apart from each other. I love doing everything almost, you know, with her too. I mean, <laughs> almost. Like, well, I mean, there's certain, like, <laughs> she doesn't need to help me go to the bathroom. Like, thank God. <laughs> But, you know, I'm just saying, like, there's there's things, there's a lot of stuff I love doing with her, but there's a lot of things that, you know, we have an understanding that, like, we do separately. Like, I go to my job. But the, but my question is, would you still do all those things separately if she was going to die three days from now? But he didn't know. Well, that, that I mean, day there's no like... timeline specifically, but, you but know, what... at the same time, if you were sick, I mean, I've been there and she's taking care of me and that's the best. But, you know, like, if you're trying to sleep and they're, like sitting there watching you or holding your hand, you know, might be harder. So it's sort of creating the communication. And I feel like she honestly told him, you know, like you should be doing your work. Like that's what you make, makes you happy. And seeing you happy will make me happy. And I feel like Except that. Except he's doing of, a very poor job at his, at work. He's not. Right. I mean, but, but that's which is all ex- Which before. is expected and acceptable. Right. But then he shouldn't be at work. Yeah, exactly. He shouldn't be at work. He's, he's resolving murders right, he's not you know doing like a random job but he shouldn't have been at work because he wasn't accepting the situation he said you know i'm scared he was fighting that it, that was preventing him from do, doing a good job now that he's opened up maybe in episode two we'll see a little bit more effectiveness in the workplace <laughs> good transition we're gonna make that our question of the day for you guys on youtube so if you're listening on itunes go on youtube on the video and comment if you're already watching hey you're already there comment below uh, the question basically is, was Terry right to go back to work and to not support his wife who is dying and may at the end of the episode be dead? We don't know for a fact, but it didn't look good. Let's get into a little news and gossip. Let's After Buzz TV News. I think none of us expected to take 15 minutes to talk about that one thing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's cool. I don't that think a great so. session. That's yeah, what happened. All of you watching this on YouTube, this side. Who won? Vote. But right side of the screen. Uh, here's here's the brunettes. Let me let me put it this way. This side's taller. Well, well your true. seats are high. Tall side, so. short side. It's movie it's magic. Movie movie magic. All right, we got two pieces of news. They're both about Tay Diggs because why would you ever do news about anybody but Tay Diggs? Mm-hmm. Very good. Preach. Point. First one. He says that movie studios hold black films to a double standard. Did a very interesting interview last week. He said that movie studios, quote, judge one quote-unquote black movie on how other black movies have done, even if they have nothing to do with each other. And he went on to say about black movies with black directors or writers or just actors, quote, we've definitely come a long way, but we've got a long way to go. It's too bad we can't do well on our own merit when it comes to the studios. They don't like to take risks, and unfortunately, we are still considered a huge risk, even though I don't think we are. Before I open that up, for what it's worth, Diggs' recent movie, Best Man Holiday, was profitable at the box office grossed 70 million dollars so judging by that quote-unquote black movie i think that's a market that does pretty well my question for you guys is is Diggs right to speak out is he right about this in the industry do more people need to say this about minorities or women or whatever in entertainment i mean obviously the world of entertainment in unfortunately women blacks or whatever any minority we don't women don't get paid anything to be in movies i think the percentage is like ridiculous as to who gets the lead role is always probably a white male probably 80 percent of the time and, and a lot of these things and i don't know the stats but a lot of these things are produced by white men exactly written by white men mm-hmm. directed by white right. men the, the director issue is a huge issue yeah right and so. a top a-list woman gets paid the lowest a male like somebody like neam leeson who is one of the lowest at the male like list of actors 
apparently somebody like Angelina Jolie makes the same and she is like a top. Like it's just ridiculous. So I, I agree with him in a sense. I don't but I don't just think it's it's what he said. I think it's a ton of different minorities. Right. It was interesting to see that in this show it was kind of the exact opposite. I mean the main characters were an African American male, a woman. A woman. Um, you know, there's an Asian guy they were talking to and the villain was the white guy. Yeah. I mean, it was sort of a, a reverse of all the other traditional roles that we've seen. Mm-hmm. I think it's something that needs to be talked about and it needs to be brought up. And it's very important. But at the same time, I'm not saying he's doing this because he's not. But I don't like when minorities victimize themselves. I think I think I'm, I'm a minority. I'm a foreigner, of course. You know, you can tell by my accent. But I think instead of just, oh, you know, this happened to me, this ha-, we need to get together and we need to grow stronger and we need to, you know, unite and become better and one instead of just a- asking of people. But in order for you to do that, you have to start like that. Right. You no, to, I think he's he's right of talking about it. He's not victimizing himself. Oh, okay. He's just bringing up, you know, right. I just don't like when minorities, instead of stepping up their game, they victimize themselves. Nice. So I no, think they that's just talk. Yeah. Well, he did step up his game. He's like I mentioned that seventy million dollar box office, yeah. the best man. Oh holiday. yeah, yeah just no, he's doing great. Not a big deal. Uh, <laughs> second, <laughs> second piece of Tay Diggs news, you guys. I don't know if y'all are on Twitter. Did Tay Diggs follow you guys by chance in the last couple of weeks? Ooh, Ooh not, I he has not followed me. He has not no, followed me because he followed fifty thousand random people on wow. Twitter. <gasps> wow, That's, it was oh. such a big deal. Journalists started writing articles about it, and we're like, "Why are you doing Just, this?" and whatever. And he said that he hired a social media expert, which is like PR blunder number one. Just run your own Twitter mm-hmm. account. Like, I get it; it's busy. He gets a lot more tweets than we do, <laughs> but like, be yourself on Twitter. That's mm-hmm. I think what people want to see. Right. Don't hire a social media expert. Don't follow forty five thousand people because yeah, you're not going to read any of them. Although I will say this, Diggs' account, I'm sorry to say this, dude, if you're watching, I'm sorry, but it's true. His Twitter account is awful. Okay? Here's here's Oops. two of his last tweets. Room for improvement, you're saying. Oh, total room for improvement. <laughs> here's two of his last tweets. RT retweet, if you think the Miami Heat pull through and win tonight. You can't beg people and say, RT, if you think somebody's going to win, just talk. Just, just tweet converse it. with people and they'll retweet it if they want to. And the second one is... Retweet if you think Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili and the Spurs are going to beat the Miami Heat and win the NBA championship. Are you a Heat fan or are you a Spurs fan? Why didn't you mention Tim Duncan? What's wrong with you? (laughs) Are you playing both sides off each other just so you can get a lot of retweets? I mean, did he even send those tweets or did his person send those tweets? That's the other problem. His person probably did. Yeah, and I think you know the reason why they're doing that is to get more people talking about it and get his Twitter account in conversation and yeah. he gets more followers but the truth be told we don't even know if he right. likes any of those teams I agree I right. agree I was just gonna say that. I was like for all we know he's a Clippers fan go Clippers and he's and <laughs> listen he's a guy he, he's a he's a theater guy who really follows the Tonys and on one of the mm-hmm. nights when the Tonys happened he was tweeting about basketball and a lot of his theater and actor fo- kind of followers were like what are you doing yeah. why are you talking yeah. about basketball You're, hey yeah. what, what's happened the Tonys are on <laughs> yeah. I like that accent yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, so basically, Tay, if you want help on your social media, fire your expert. Come on our show. Yeah. It'll blow Ooh. up. We'll help yeah. you. You can sit right here. And listen, the four, the four of us will follow you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, let's get to uh, predictions. Yeah. And now, you're after Buzz TV predictions. All right, I've got a monster. I'll play that card at the end of the hand, though. So who would like to start predictions? Hmm. Well, I'll just start with... What we already talked about that I think Terry's Terry's wife is dead. Okay. Interesting. I think this season Terry and um, Hildy are going to get uh, romantically close. I think Terry and the guy doing the cleanse are going to get romantically close. <laughs> yeah. oh my After gosh. he gets close with Hildy. Oh, <laughs> that's spicy. RT if you think that's going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, they I, yeah. had to put the master cleanse in the San Francisco <laughs> show. And the and the online dating too. <laughs> yeah, like the online dating. Fifteen the, seconds of online dating in there. Yeah, not just online dating, the app. Dating, oh yes, which yeah. is a step further. And I know you guys are on Tinder. Don't even lie. <laughs> I'm not. I've never used I Tinder. Swipe left. I don't even know. My my friends like I'm swiping. I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't. Need, I have never used it either. But yes. I know they're swiping, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. There yes. is. I mean, I don't need to use it, but my. <laughs> My roommate does, and it actually works. Like, I'm seeing him just... Case it's in, very successful. Case in point right here, <laughs> I love Tinder. So if you're in Perfect. Los Angeles, maybe you'll come across my Tinder page. Uh, all right. <laughs> yeah. Swipe right? Swipe right. Swipe right. Oh, swipe right. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
All right, I'm going to tell you guys who killed these two people today. Uh-oh. It's Eric Let's Blunt's go. lawyer. The bald guy? The baldish guy. Here's why. Blunt is probably not smart enough. I know he's a smart guy, but he's not smart enough in the real world to hatch this mastermind scheme. And Blunt doesn't understand how significant these lawsuits are. So the Kevin Nyers blackmailing him, it wasn't about being his dad or his son. There's something deeper there. Blunt didn't understand it or didn't see it as a threat. The lawyer does. And then Cindy having sex with Blunt and then being fired or told she was being fired. That's a huge lawsuit right there. You can't do that. Lawyer knows that this is important. Blunt doesn't recognize it as truth. The lawyer has to get rid of these guys, and nobody will suspect him because it'll go back to Blunt. And if Blunt gets gets put away guilty, oh, guess what? Blunt treats the lawyer like crap anyway, so the lawyer walks free. I think the lawyer is the murderer. Interesting. That's I mean, so interesting. That sort of opened up an idea in my mind, not for the lawyer, but um, the pilot. I mean, there yeah. were a, yeah. a, a couple shots made him sort of suspicious. He knew right away where when the flight attendant wasn't wasn't around, or like went right to her house. Mm-hmm. Like it seems there may be some some more than meets the eye with him. Yeah, and I was overlapping. Right, right. Yeah. I also love that the actor Stephen Weber is the pilot because he um, had one of his big breakthrough roles uh, on the show Wings. Yes. Yeah. So he mm-hmm. was a pilot there. It's a nice little yeah. circle bringing him back. A little circle of life. Yeah. All right, guys. Speaking of Twitter, not Tay Diggs, what are your Twitter accounts? Where can we find you on Twitter, Instagram, whatever? MySpace, maybe? Oh, man. Bringing that back. Yeah, not (laughs) not MySpace. Um, You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Rena Brazil. Ooh. Ooh. Nice. Uh, Nice. You can find me at JB underscore Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram. You guys can find me at Monsi Bolanos, M-O-N-S-E, because everyone's always asking me how to spell that. Don't worry about spelling. If you're watching on YouTube, we're going to put the spellings, put the links under in the comments, too. Perfect. Monsi Bolanos. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram. All right. And I'm at Bobby DeMuro on Twitter, at Mr. Bobby DeMuro on Instagram, because Instagram is a formal... Of course. Of course. It's like LinkedIn. And guys, we want to know about Terry and whether he should have gone to work or not with his wife. That's the question of the day here on Murder in the First. Thank you so much for watching. Remember, if you're interested, Maria Menounos' new book, The Every Girl's Guide to Diet and Fitness, is in stores now. I'm reading this one right now. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.